The shocking statistics behind life insurance coverage. Do you have the right coverage, if at all? Most Americans do not have enough life insurance. It's Seven Figures. I'm Sandy Waters. Thank you so much for joining our weekly podcast where we talk money, financial advice, inspirational stories of local business owners. The goal is financial independence, to be smart with our money. So let's talk about life insurance. It's not something that we're all very eager to talk about. Probably the first time you start thinking about life insurance is what? When you have your first kid, right? For my husband and I, that's when that's when we really sat down and said, okay, we gotta we gotta act like grown-ups now and think about life insurance. Because we had a baby on the way. But the majority of us, they say most Americans don't have enough life insurance, and many of us don't have it at all. Out of 82% of people who say, yeah, you should get it, only 62% actually have it. Why? According to research, the most common reason given, competing financial priorities. The second most common reason why we don't have life insurance or enough coverage, we don't think we can afford it. So let's cash in with our expert, Andy Ocasio from Allstate Insurance. Thank you so much for being on with us this week. Oh, you're welcome. Good morning. All right, so let's tackle that um, statistic that most Americans do not have enough life insurance, and one of the major reasons is why they think they can't afford it. Do you see that a lot with your clients? I personally do. I, I uh, you know, life insurance being an intangible, you know, people don't don't take a product home that they can touch, feel, whatever. So they don't think of it, of, of it much, and so uh, they put more emphasis in other things in life. And then when they look at life insurance, they don't understand much of it. And they realize, you know, how much it's going to cost out of pocket. So, yeah, I agree with that statistic. It's always hard to talk about life insurance. It's hard to talk about your will because it's it's kind of morbid. It's not really a conversation you like to have. You're, you're eager to look into and do the research about. But it's more of not about you, but it's more about taking care of the people you love. And that's the that's the real reason behind life insurance. That's correct. And the, the main concept of life insurance is, is love. You know, it's the only main reason you buy it for. Uh, survivorship, uh, final expenses, uh, uh, the expenses that are left behind, but more importantly, income replacement, especially for a younger uh, section of the uh, the population that think that they don't need life insurance. Uh, you know, replacing their income is so important. Okay, that's good that you brought up two big points here that I, I want to tackle. First, because um, you said the younger group, is there anybody that doesn't have to worry about life insurance or who should be worried and protected more with life insurance. Is there a certain well, age, a sweet spot? Well, it's interesting you mentioned that because I speak to all my clients about this. And uh, uh, the younger you are, the better is always uh, to look into life insurance. Life insurance is based on your health and your age. Okay. So the younger you are, the like, more likely that, that you're healthier and definitely younger. So whatever conversation you have with the client, the following year is always going to be more expensive because they're going to be a year older. Okay. Now, so. see, I was thinking of it as when I was young in my 20s, I had life insurance was not on my radar because there was nobody counting on me and my money. But that's not yeah. the right way to think about it, you're saying. No, because life insurance is about planning ahead. Life insurance is like any other insurance. You don't really want to use it, obviously. It's in case something up for bit happens. You don't buy your homeowner's insurance because... There's, you know, there's, there's going to be a fire. You know, you buy, you buy in case there's a fire. Yeah. Okay. So the, same, the same idea with the life insurance. So the younger you are, the better, um, because you get that lowest rate possible because you're in your most healthiest state. Yes. In addition to that, once you buy and purchase a life insurance contract, depending on which one you buy, uh, you also 
um, uh, lock yourself into a category, meaning so that if you're healthy, uh, regardless of what happens to you in the future, you maintain that contract or, or convert that contract, uh, you will continue getting the same rate that you originally got. So, so what age are you thinking then when you say young? Well, they, 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 you know, usually, typically, anybody, um, you know, uh, right after uh, college, uh, type, you know, planning into, you know, starting to work, planning into thinking, I'm going to buy a house in the future, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have a family. That type of crowd is, uh-huh. is, is typically, you know, the perfect time to start thinking yeah. about that. Okay. And uh, we did, it was a few weeks ago that we brought in uh, Paul Sellett from College Assistance Plus, and he was saying one of his clients, and now he encourages all of his clients to do this. Um, before you go to college, to co- if you're co-signing a loan, get life insurance on your child so you won't be faced with that bill. Just God forbid something happens, which I thought was very interesting because, again, you don't typically think life insurance young you know, teenage years. Um, So that kind of reinforces what he was saying the other week. If we were going to tally up all the things that we have to make sure we're covered for, because, you know, you have different options of how much of a policy you want to take out. What is the, is there a rule of thumb? Make sure you pay off the mortgage. Yeah, typically, that's a good question. Typically what, what, what I do, and I tell my clients, is I typically try to figure out how much their income is, regardless of inflation or not, and multiply that times either five years, seven years, or 11 years. That right there should give you approximately an idea of what or how much life insurance you should at least have. Because that's, you know, that's the, the income is what pays for everything that you're mentioning there. So if there's no income, you know, there's obviously, you know, no way to survive, you know. Okay, so we're not taking the figures, okay, my house is worth this, the car loan is this. We're not tailing up numbers like that. We're tailing up your income multiplied by either five seven or 11 years but we do tailor those things i mean you know i have when i i have a a small uh pamphlet that i use that you know actually looks into uh different groupings you know necessities final expenses you know uh things like that you know and uh yeah all the things that you mentioned are there but uh regarding your question you know whether there's a number or should we look at only this area uh, typically, if you start thinking about your income, you know, that should give you an idea right away, you know, how much life insurance at least I should start thinking of. Now, the older you get, do you recommend increasing that number? So when you're young and you first get life insurance, you're taking advantage of the low rates of life insurance because you're healthy. But then as you get older and more people are counting on you, your income goes up. Do you increase your life insurance policy? Well, it, 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 it's a funny thing you mentioned. That's, that's the most important subject on my conversation with life insurance because the, uh, the, the need usually, when you're younger, the needs are higher because it's, remember, we're talking about planning ahead. So if you're in your 20s and then you can marry, get a house, a family, the 30s, 40s, this is when you need life insurance because in case something else forbid happens to you, you know, the family's not going to survive. It's not going to continue based on the way they used to be because there's one less income coming in. So typically we try to get as much life insurance for, for the client um, when they're younger, because it's typically less expensive. And then as you get older, uh, typically the needs go down. Uh-huh. Unless, there is an, and unless there is a need situation for like an estate planning or uh, uh, a final expense thing where there is uh, a situation where uh, somebody is ill and there's a, a very large amount of expenses there. Um, so typically the needs go down. 
because the house gets paid for. Your kids, go, you know, they leave the house. Uh, they go yeah. to college. They get married. So you still need life insurance, but you typically should be able to face down on the amount of life insurance you need as you get older. Oh, so I hit it reversed. Okay. Oh, that's so many, okay. You know, many people, like I mentioned, if you have a, an estate situation, you know, where there's a taxation or something like that, that you you got an inheritance uh, and things like that, um, then, you know, life insurance products do protect you for, for those types of things as you get older. But okay. in most cases, you know, people are pretty well off. Their retirement situation is fine. And they're pretty much at that stage are more contemplating um, final expenses, you so, know, which is, you know, oh, your funeral. And, life insurance is not to be viewed as an investment. That's your 401k in other, in other investments. Your life insurance true. is just a safety net uh, and pay those, you know, uh, funeral costs and whatever. So don't look at it as, hey, this is going to be a payout in an investment, you're saying. So, yeah, it's not, it's not based mostly in, you know, you're going to make an income. There is two types of primarily of life insurance policies. There's term insurance and permanent insurance. And permanent insurance is the one that builds cash values, pays dividends, interest, all that one. There's a variety of different ones, you know, whole life, uh, universal life, variable insurance, so on and so on. But typically, you know, um, what they do is, they fund you back with some of the money that you paid into the policy. So the cost of doing the life insurance over the long long haul is less because you're receiving back some of that money. So it's not typically to make all this money, ideally, because remember, if you invest into a life insurance policy, you put a dollar, you know, you, you and it makes you a dollar, you're gonna get fifty cents back, not a dollar, because they gotta pay for the life insurance. Ah. Okay. All right. Let's talk about that permanent versus term. I'm going to rattle off some um, some situations, and you tell me if it's best to have permanent life insurance or term life insurance. Uh, yes. If you have a lot of college loans, are you looking permanent life insurance or term? Term insurance. Term. Okay. Um, if you want to leave an inheritance, uh, it depends. It depends. It depends. Uh, uh, you know uh, how much of an inheritance you're talking about. Uh, it depends the situation financially of the person who buys the life insurance. Okay. But overall, um, you know, uh, term insurance is going to end a certain point. So an inheritance is really thinking about people living longer. So you're going to live longer, you're probably going to need a permanent plan. Okay. If I have a special needs kid that I, I want to make sure is taken care of after I pass, uh, is uh-huh. there a difference between if you would recommend permanent or term? It, you know, Sandy, it's a very touchy situation because uh, it all depends the age of the person, how long, you know, we're thinking of living, you know. Because remember, term insurance is, is going to end at a certain point. They come in groupings. It comes in 10 years, 15, 20, or 30 years. Yeah. So after those years go, then what do you do? You, you can't replan again. You know, you're going to have to either decide that that's the point that you want the policy to end or rebuy again at that later age, which is going to cost you too much money. So uh, chances are, if you're thinking about inheritance or something like that, you might want to mix it up with some sort of permanent plan on the side that, you know, as, as, as the term product ends, that other other product is still there, you know, taking care of your needs. So you can mix a little bit of both then you're saying? Completely. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Is that what you recommend to most of your clients is to do a little bit of both or or what's the majority of the recommendation? Well, and then again, everybody's different. Okay. So, you know, my need and your, situ- my need and your situation is different than the, the one next door. So, 
it all depends on the person, but yeah, in some cases, um, you know, we, we, we try, you know, once you have a term product, you can convert it to permanent insurance with no questions asked. Very important because uh, it's, it's your insurability that we're speaking about. So you're, it doesn't matter if your health has changed. You, you purchase a term product, you'll have it. So sometimes what we do, you, if you don't convert the full amount of the term product, you can convert pieces of it. So let's say you have a $500,000 term product and you say, well, I want to take 100000 and put it into a permanent plan so when the term product ends, I can continue having that insurance. How does that change your rates if you're splitting it up? Is it still well, it cost-effective? It, it lowers your product from the term product that you're, you're, you purchase. Okay. It's going to cost a little less, but, uh, you know, the, the, the whole idea of doing that is that you're locking your age group, getting permanent insurance at a younger age. So you're not going to pay more later on when you get older, trying to rebuy something, you know, waiting and waiting. And then when the term product ends, well, I want to get another one. Well, now you're 60s, so it's uh, going to cost a lot of money. So now, and I'm guilty of it, I bought life insurance uh, when I was young, first got married, thinking about having a kid, and I've never thought of it since that day. I, do, I can't even tell you how much I pay. I don't revisit the plan. Is this something that you encourage people um, to have this uh, constant communication with their agent and, and kind of revisit, make sure you're up to up to what you're, where you need to be? Yeah, at least every three years, uh, you know, the, you know, ideally the more you do it, the better. I mean, there's no, there's no single number because uh, remember, needs change, you know. So, um, you know, you might be in a situation today and two, three years from now, you're in a different situation. Two, three years from now, you might want to buy a different house. Oh. And now you have a new mortgage, so you want to protect that. So the, the needs always change, you know, they're, they're, they're always changing, whether they're more or less. You know, there's something that you should always revisit and, like you said, speak to your agent and, Make sure you, you got the right plan. All right. I think I'm a handful of years behind that if it was supposed to be every three years. <laughs> okay. So now you have you have a couple and uh, they're planning a, a, you know, insurance. They're a young couple. Is there one person that should get the bulk of the insurance, a breadwinner, I guess you could say, of the family worth more than the other spouse? Not always the case. Uh, and I'll tell you a little bit about that because I, I come across that. I think... Both uh, parties are very important. Uh, and the example that I use, sometimes there is a, a, a young couple where there is a breadwinner that makes a lot more money and then the spouse stays home for the kids, you know. Uh, so then you, you say, well, we want to make sure we have all this insurance on the breadwinner, but uh, not so much on her. And that's okay to do, but, you, you know, she still needs the life insurance. The reason why is because if something happens to her or him in this situation, um, then there's the situation there, and then who's going to take care of those kids? You know, the other person still has to go to work, mm. has to pay the bill. Mm-hmm. So that person who was staying home is very valuable because if you start taking the cost of, you know, taking care of a kid, you know, child care, all of that, uh, I don't even know how much it's per day. You know, I don't have that, that situation, but it's pretty expensive, you know. And so, you know, that person that works still has to go to work, but now has to hire someone to take care of the kids. Uh, yeah. You know, those situations are very important to address in the sense that both sides are very important. Let's go back to the original um, statistics where it said that the most common reason why people don't have life insurance or enough is because they think they can't afford it. You know, the part of that, they don't think they can't afford it. I think that statistic is leaning more towards people that are in the older sector. Okay. And and, and the reason why is because... uh, they realize that either they haven't done their homework or they, they 
they haven't had enough life insurance, so they feel like now it's really late. It's very it's going to cost me a lot of money. Okay. Know? So they, they the thinking is always there like that. Um, as a younger sector, they're very aware of you know uh, the life insurance costs, you know, especially in their age group. And usually they're very pleasantly surprised when they find out that they can get uh, half a million dollars or a quarter million dollars for like twenty dollars a month. $20 is pretty easy to handle. So again, it goes back to get it early. Protect yourself and the family with life insurance now if you don't have it. Because you never know what tomorrow can bring. I mean, tomorrow you, you know, you, you, you might not have diabetes, but tomorrow all of a sudden you develop diabetes. Tomorrow you can have extra wife or, you know, you know, anything can change. I mean, changes in your life. So I, I, I personally always tell people that you cannot put a price on it. That's the most Important thing about the life insurance when you get it, because once you get it and you're healthy, it doesn't matter if you become unhealthy. They can't change your rate. <laughs> so it's so important, you know, for anyone to think of it that way because that's the one, that's the product. Remember your age and your health. Today you're healthy, today you're younger. Get it. <laughs> have you ever had a situation, a client with, that comes in that um, did not have life insurance and now is, you know, battling... I don't know, some yeah. rare form of disease or something. Can they even get life insurance at that point once they're dealing with some illness? Well, it depends. Uh, it depends if it's uh, insurable or not. And then second of all, it's going to get rated pretty high. I mean, uh, your typical rate is not going to apply. It's going to be more expensive. So that's one thing. But also in addition to that, there's another section that if you don't want to talk about it now, we don't have to. But uh, I, I speak to a lot of people also about people who think they got work insurance. You know, and this is an important subject. Because in many cases, you know, if you don't have a supplemental life insurance product that you bought under your employer, uh, meaning that you it's portable, that you can keep it or whatsoever, most most of the group insurance products that that uh, that companies offer are products that are going to stay behind. That means that once uh, they they can remove your benefit and you can lose it, um, you can retire and it will end. Um, you can change jobs. Uh, it, it would be, and more importantly, which happens to a couple of people uh, that I insure, you could have a product today, and then tomorrow, um, like a gentleman that I know, had, uh, give me a call and uh, develop Parkinson's, for example. So he said, uh, Andy, I can't work anymore. Well, if you can't work, what happens to your benefits? They're gone. <laughs> oh. So now you want to, then you want to go back and start doing your homework while getting life insurance. It's a little late. Okay. So, so when your when your employer offers it, do you even entertain that idea or do you just go off on your own and have your own life insurance from the get-go? I always advise that you should always entertain the idea because it never hurts. Usually if it's group products, they don't cost that much. Okay. But you cannot depend on them only. Okay. So I tell people is like, yes, if you, you know, you can you can add that on your need situation and say I have this much life insurance. But get something that you can control. Okay. That's great advice. So entertain the idea from the work. Okay, fine. Do a little bit. But the bulk of it should come from on your own policy, your own life insurance policy. Completely. Because that's the one that uh, once you get it, remember, you you got it because you you got approved because you were healthy enough. Uh, So that's out of the question. You know, you don't have to worry about it. Many people... Don't entertain that situation and situations like that have. I have another one. I, I had a gentleman who had an accident, car accident, yeah, and then got disabled. What happened to his benefits? They're gone too.
Oh, you know, they can't work. You know, he's not working. He's not receiving work benefits. Anymore. So he put all that money in, and it didn't help him. Well, in most 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 cases with the group plans uh, with with life insurance uh, work are usually group terms, and they're not expensive. So regardless of all the money that he put in, uh, he wasn't going to get any cash back unless something got forbid happened to him and his beneficiaries were gone. But um, the the the, the important thing is that he was protecting that income and that situation in case of something that forbid happened, you know, yeah. a final expense type thing, you know? Yeah. So, but it's always very, very important to get your own and uh, have control of it because that's really the only thing that you can, you know, uh, make decisions on. You know, the okay. one from work, you know, if it's not portable, like I mentioned, uh, and it's not something that you can take with you, um, it's going, you're going to lose it. Okay. <laughs> so, it's great advice. Um, before we, one final question before we get to our ROI, our return on investment, your umbrella theme from today, the biggest takeaway. I wanted to ask you, what is, um, what is the difference in prices? What's the difference between working with you know Allstate and the other guy? Why are there so many price differences? What should well, we look out for? You know, you know, primarily there's different pricing um, and different companies. Uh, Mostly like in, in the permanent plans. Okay, the permanent insurance plans are the ones that are uh, investing your money. They got different expense costs. Ah, okay. So there's different things built into those, those plans. Okay. okay. Um, but um, the term products are pretty typically pretty straightforward. Um, a dollar or two, you know, cost-wise separation. Okay. So most companies are pretty similar on term insurance. Okay. Uh, and, and it all is based on ratings. You know, so if, if you rate on your age, uh, prefer rate, meaning you're healthy or whatsoever, or you have a condition or you're taking medication or, um, you know, you're, you don't fit their height and weight table, you're going to get rated differently. So that's how they change your prices in companies, different companies, place it different. Some of the companies um, do offer um, multiple multiple policy discounts, so you get... Uh, with the life insurance, you can also get discounts on your auto. That could be an incentive for some people too, you know. Is there something that we should make sure we have or look out for when we are doing, um, you know, this research and which agent to work with? Uh, you know, that's all personal. That's what you feel comfortable with. Okay. I, I will, you know, I, I will definitely, if you have an agent that you're comfortable with, I will definitely call and make an appointment to uh, do a life insurance review. It never hurts. Mm-hmm. Uh, you don't have to be committed to get a policy, but at least you know where you stand. Yes. And, uh, you know, you can go forward from that point on. Okay. Uh, now it's time for our return on investment. We like to do this, Andy, because everybody has uh, dedicated their time to this podcast, and we appreciate it. So the one big takeaway from today, the one big umbrella theme that you um, you want to share with everybody when it comes to life insurance would be what? That everybody should get a policy because it's the one policy from all the insurance policies that you can look at that we can guarantee you that you're going to use. Okay. <laughs> what? Yeah. We all will, well, someday we'll have to go through it. Unfortunately, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, yeah. So if we don't prepare ourselves, you know, early enough, you know, that's, that's the case. So uh, whether you're thinking it's too expensive, whether you're thinking uh, whatever it might be the thought, get on it because it's very, very important that you get that out of the way. Lock yourself in so in case your health changes in the future, you don't have to deal or tackle that situation at all. 
Wonderful. Okay. And get it early. I mean, if you have a college age student, now's the time to start talking to them about life insurance because they get the best rate. So that was a big takeaway for me. Um, And then take your income, multiply it by, I mean, do you recommend, I know you gave a couple options, but do you recommend by 11 just to be extra safe? Some financial advisors usually love it. You know, some people use seven. You can use any of them, but whatever number it is, it's going to open your eyes. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Make sure you cover the cost of the mortgage, of those those daily bills that come in. Be aware that if you... If you don't have a spouse now, who's going to take care of the kids? There's an expense right there. And yeah, um, yeah. and then some of the debt, like credit card debt, do you have to pay that off? Does that go away when you die, your credit card debt and those kind of debts? Do you know? Um, as far as I understand that, the states are the state and they look for ways and shapes and forms to collect that money somewhere. Okay. Uh, especially there is a, a marriage couple and things like that. That will be you know, instrumental in, in how much expenses they have. And uh, so, yeah, that all, that it's all going to face them. All right. So factor all that in college debt, yeah. any other kind of debt that you have, they're going to try to come after the estate. So make sure you're covered for that. Andy Ocasio from Allstate Insurance. Thank you for clearing up some questions that we all share about life insurance. You're welcome, Andy. Knowledge is power, right? And when you're in an unfamiliar territory, sometimes you allow your decisions to be easily swayed. You're easily influenced. When it comes to buying a house or putting your house on the market, man, there's a lot to know. We're going to get a crash course next week. Tips to get the most for your money when you're buying a house or putting your house on the market. And the real truth about realtors. Not all realtors are created equal. How to make sure that they're looking out for your best interest and not their own commission check. Next week on 7 Figures on Twitter at 7 Figures Pod.